driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Woo! Happy Thursday, everyone. It is a, a oh, do we? I'll be there in a second. <laughs> she, poor Katie's like, is that Katie? Yes. yes. She's like, why aren't you on the screen? We're setting things up in here, Katie. It's different when uh, we have a host in studio. This is this is why I try to get out here a couple minutes early uh, at the end of my show. Now that we're going to seven, I have to make sure that we have uh, everything set up. But I was running behind. And so here we are. We are live streaming on Facebook Live. And it is another brisk, cool night. But it was it was kind of a pretty cold day. I hope that you are uh, somewhere happy, healthy, and safe. I just came from Tata's Kitchen and Social over by there at 5700 West Irving Park Road, where we are going to be kicking off our new season of comedy shows, and hopefully we'll be doing them uh, regularly. We are starting out with fundraisers. We're going to be funding uh, funding a uh, an event for kids above all. They have a, a Christmas toy drive, and we'd also like to support the work that they do. That's going to be next Thursday at 8 o'clock. We have an incredible show lined up. We have Lele Mason, Janice Rodriguez. We also have Bill Gorgo and Anthony Fuentes on the show. So that'll be next Saturday, next uh, Thursday, December 8th. And uh, I'll also be broadcasting the show live. Oh, the camera's like all the way. <laughs> what is- Lady B, is was the camera like all the way over? <laughs> Do you just turn it away from you when you're in the studio running the board? <laughs> I didn't know. Katie's like, no, no, no. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in front of it. It's nowhere near the seat. Yes. Um, there we go. We, we're setting it up right now. My apologies to everyone watching the live stream right now. And uh, by the way, for folks who wonder, like, you know, how how do I listen to the show if my radio starts to uh, get a little bit, a little scratchy uh, because we do, our signal gets a little bit weaker as the sun goes down. So please consider switching over to tune in or listen to us. You can go to the Facebook page. I think a lot of folks are on that platform on Facebook. You can go to WCPT's Facebook page and watch the live stream there. And uh, I would love to hear from you tonight. 773-763-9278 is a number to call and join our conversation. You can call or text. Uh, always love coming in and seeing some text. I already, let's see, the 773 has already text, texted. Uh, let's see. Uh, seven seven three. I I uh, I I I agree with you, and I I I I can't get into that conversation right now. I was listening. Uh, I, I, I can't get into it. I have I have thoughts. I have things that I want to say, but um, I am going to be respectful. So thank you for the for the text seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight is a number. If you want to call, we can have that conversation seven seven three. We can have that conversation. Uh, let's see what the, we've got a couple of texts. Lady B sounds. Oh, Lady B had a double, had a triple duty today. She was in studio. She was running the board, doing traffic. It is a lot of plates to spin. There's a reason why I read it so fast. One, that's just the way my brain works when I'm reading the traffic. Uh, I read it super fast because uh, I'm always worried the screen will jump. Neither Lady B nor I are trained to read the traffic routes because <laughs> they're like Lady B. They said they did a great job and they were they're grateful that uh, that you were in here. They were we just they were wondering if it was a lot. It was a lot today. It's a lot. Uh, and I know there's a lot of traffic going on. And by the way, I had a theory before um, uh, 
the um, before cannabis became legalized, uh, recreational use uh, became legalized in Illinois, that folks were not going to know how to dose themselves with edibles, like how to um, decide how much would be appropriate. And I, I was worried that people didn't realize that if they take a little bit now and they don't feel it in half an hour and they take more, that it's going to hit them all at once. And I feel like we're seeing that in traffic. Am I the only one that's noticing people sort of like drifting, not just like the way they typically do when they're texting or uh, d- you know distracted by something else? I, ju- I feel like the way people are driving, and maybe it's also compounded by the fact that we were not necessarily driving regularly during the pandemic and people have a lot of things on their minds. I, I kind of feel like I'm seeing uh, an edible kick in while somebody is at an intersection or trying to make a turn. I'm seeing more people run and, and I'm not it's I'm not I'm only laughing out of um, nervousness because I just feel like people are not driving very well lately so um, if you have never tried an edible please um, make some time for yourself to maybe give yourself about uh, at least 18 hours before you're gonna get behind the wheel of a car <laughs> I'm just saying it it hits us all differently. There's a comedian in the Chicagoland area that talks about when you get high by smoking or vaping, and if you have too much, you might have a bad night. But if you have too much of an edible, you're going to have a bad month, is all I'm saying. So I, I, the way folks are driving lately is just something that I noticed. Uh, 773 says, Lady B is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, they say hello to you, Lady B. Um I wish that we could talk more on the air, but the way this is set up when I run the board, uh, Lady B is in the production booth and we don't have it set up where we can talk to her. So that's, I always feel bad when there's another host on and they can kind of talk to Lady B and you can hear her because it sounds like I don't talk to her all the time. I want you to know Lady B and I are always like looking at each other and waving and, uh, and nodding about, uh, what we're talking about. So. Uh, anyway, I want to go back to uh, talking about Tata's Kitchen and Social. I will be there next Thursday. The show is at 8 o'clock. However, I will be there early because we are live broadcasting from Tata's Kitchen and Social next Thursday. We are also holding this comedy event to benefit kids above all. You've heard Senator Dan Katowski talk about the work that they do, helping uplift families and children and helping kids reach their potential. They provide all kinds of uh, care, whether it's uh, early childhood development, uh, kids who are living in foster care, kids who are living in group homes, making sure that they have everything that they need to feel safe and protected. A lot of these kids have survived trauma of all different kinds. I, I've um, been a part of some writing sessions with the kids to talk about how to write through trauma, uh, how I've used humor as not only a defense mechanism, because I, I clearly have, but also to process what I've experienced uh, throughout my life, in particular when I was a child. And so we've, uh, and, and I, I, it was easier for me to work with the girls. The, the boys were like, man, they want to be tough. And uh, I showed up to a, a home where uh, I was teaching a, a writing, a comedy writing class for young teenage boys. And uh, they wanted to play their video games, so I had to. I kind of had to work around them a little bit, um, but I uh, I really love the work that we've done with uh, with the kids at Kids Above All. I've also participated in their Camp Sheila, which is dedicated to children who have lost a family member to homicide, specifically to homicide. It's uh, um, not something I ever thought I would talk to other kids about because um, sometimes when you're wrapped up in your own um, grief, uh, which can you know affect you. In so many different ways and pop up in unexpected ways, of course. Uh, 
Senator Gutowski knew my uh, my past, my childhood, and, and thought um, maybe this would be an opportunity for me to not just help some kids, but help process some things for myself. And I talked a lot about uh, losing my brother to, um, to a homicide. And from that, we learned, and I talked about how I got teased at school, and uh, it turns out that a lot of these kids experience bullying when a family member has been murdered. And it's, it's strange. And look, kids are trying to process things. And who knows why uh, a child that's already vulnerable is then uh, attacked in such a vicious way. But it was something that happened to me when I was uh, between the ages of about uh, 7 and 10. And it's part of why I think I've developed a very, uh, I would say... <sighs> reactionary defense mechanism. I and not even reactionary. Sometimes it's preemptive. Uh, I have to steal myself. I, as a kid, I experienced uh, some real cruelty, and so when I experience it now, I do not have time for it, and I will hold people accountable because I couldn't when I was a child. Uh, the injustices, the cruelty, was something that uh, I think I still carry with me. And when I see it, I and, and it's not if it's done just to me. In general, uh, when I was at another radio station. I just I try to duck my head and, and continue. But when it's done to me and others like me, that's when I'm going to step up and demand accountability. And I I know that folks are a lot of folks are texting me about the conversation that Eric and Turi had. Uh, I, I came into the conversation in the last few minutes of it. And I can't speak to everything that they covered and discussed. Uh, I, I will say that, um, you know, there's this sort of uh, I, I have had the experience where someone's gotten mad at me because I've asked questions or I've I've used the wrong language. And I think I had a similar uh, reaction where I was like, well, if they want me to help, this isn't the way to do it. And. And then I've, I've taken a step back and I've, I've processed some of that. And I thought I'm demanding something from people who are literally fighting for their lives, who are fighting for uh, a space uh, to be safe. And they're working through a lot. We, eat, we all come to each other in these confrontations or these exchanges with our own experiences without any understanding of what another person's lifetime experience has been like. They have had to, and maybe the, the, my closest comparison would be uh, being my son Declan's mother in that, I mean, like I, people ask me questions all the time about him. Why does he look different? Why does he act that way? Why does, and, and like, I guess I have to be nice to them, too, in order for them to be kinder is what this conversation is about. I, I, like, it's exhausting to explain over and over again why the way you ask a question is cruel, why you're imposing your expectations on our reality is unnecessary. I guess that's that's the, the closest way I can I can put this for me as far as like, well, you know, why did they have to get so angry? Why did they have to uh, lash out that way? Um, you know what it is, is that Folks are making it about themselves and and saying, I would help you if you did it the right way is just a is sort of a hard angle to come from. Uh, that's all. I, I guess that's the best way for me to put it is I, I get it because I've been angry like that and been sort of like, well, I was just trying to help or uh, give me a chance to catch up. Right. And we're asking that from people who are asking to survive. That's all it is.
And so maybe take a step back and, and, uh, and go, okay, maybe not my battle. Maybe not what I, uh, this isn't, you know, if this is the, the tack they want to take and, and fine. If you think it alienates a lot of people throwing something at somebody, I, I it's, but that's rage, right? That is coming from a place of oppression. And if you're not familiar what it's like to be oppressed, uh, I get it. I get being frustrated. And and I, I, if I could just, if I could just understand better, um, it's hard. It's just a very hard conversation. And I'm glad that they had it. Um, I think that a lot of people feel that way. I know I have. And, uh, and and if you have more thoughts, again, I don't want to go after anything specifically. I'm telling you from where I'm coming from that I have felt that same way. And I've taken a step back and gone, you know what? I'm making this about me. I had a friend get so angry at me when I didn't use the right, right pronouns. And this is a, 10 years ago, right before now everyone's like making fun of it and everything. And I was, I literally, I said the same thing that the Turi and Eric said, I'm trying to catch up. Give me, and, and it's like, we're asking for, we're asking for something that places a even heavier burden on people that again, are just trying to survive. Survive. That's the understanding I've come to. Uh, so that's that's just my my point of view on that. Oh, Judy, let me get let me Judy and Matt are on the line. Let me get to your phone call seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I'll take a break here. When we come back, get to your calls and your texts. More in a moment on driving and home with me, Patty Vasquez, and thank you to our our sponsors, Manaqua Brewing, the best beer. It happens to be progressive beer. Uh, you can watch on our Facebook live stream. You can see all of your choices right there, including Choice Hard Seltzer. We also want to thank our sponsor, Kids Above All, which we will be benefiting next Thursday, December 8th at Tata's Tacos. And, of course, Warren Priest from European and U.S. Car Service. More after this on the Heartland Signal. Think Theory Radio. Dr. Hande Ozdinler. She is a neuroscientist, but also an artist. It seems that the larger we go, like, you know, the galaxy, the sky, and then also as small as we go, right? The nanostructures, the atomic interactions mm-hmm. or cellular interactions. There is so much resemblance. Like there is a secret or there is an unspoken symmetry. Think Theory Radio with Damien Perdue. Saturdays at 6 p.m. on WCPT 820. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible democratic socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Armanetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at ANS Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Again, I I was so hesitant to go at the conversation that happened before I came in because they're not here to join me. And and, and Eric and I have had conversations a little bit offline. And I've said, look, I don't want to have it on the air before we have coffee because I just, I think it would be unproductive. I would like to talk, sit down and talk to you uh, and then uh, maybe have the conversation online. I, I just, it's, it's, it's a lot. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> yes. I mean. Uh, so okay. So okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not misreading. I wanted to send a text to Eric and say this is a little cringy. That's what I wanted to send him. But what are your thoughts? Well, 
And now I, I'm not even. I, look, this is not a call about my favorite topic, which is uh, Mr. Potato Head. This is not a call about the Republican Party. This is a call about the decent people of Chicago, and for a, on a lesser level, the lovely people of Illinois. People, if you are going to turn left, <laughs> turn your signal on. If you're going to turn right. Turn your signal on. If you're going to stop, stop not before you get to where you're going and then immediately jam on your brakes, which means we all have to jam on our brakes. No. <laughs> maybe about, what, 100 feet before you want to stop? That way you can at least come to a nice, gently rolling stop. If you have a red light, don't go through it. If you don't have a red light, go through it. These are common sense things that we all have to worry about when we drive around Chicago. You know, I'm a Lyft driver, and somebody asked me, isn't this dangerous at this point? It's really dangerous, because you have people getting carjacked, you have people getting mugged. I don't drive after 10 o'clock. I might, in terms of, like, work, I'm like, I'll go somewhere, but I don't drive after 10 o'clock. I don't pick people off after 10 o'clock. It's not happening. But it's also dangerous because we have a city bus. Wait, I better not say anything until I had my coffee. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have a city it, yep. full of morons and ninnies who don't know how to operate a motor vehicle, much less be nice to one another. People always ask me what the difference is between California, New York, and Chicago driving. Very simple. New York, people will yell at you. People will scream at you. But at the end of the day, they want you to get to where you're going, and they just want to get there first. California, people will sit there, will bring board games. They love sitting in traffic. Like, oh, oh, we haven't, oh, oh, we can't just sit here. Oh, did somebody bring Monopoly? Oh, can we play Guess Who? Delightful. Chicago. Chicago is very simple. Eat dirt and die, trash, because I'm getting there before you, and if I happen to kill you on the way, not my problem. People, we are civilians. We are all people. Be nice to one another. I watched three people get into a separate fist fight today with three other people because they got into road rage incidents. I mean, really. And, of course, okay, here we go. Of course, the Chicago police don't really do anything because, you know, I got into a car accident about a year ago. And I said, well, hey, I got to call the cops. Maybe they'll come out. And I called, and they said, well, is your car drivable? And I said, yeah, but I'm hoping we get an officer out here. And they said, oh, no, we can't come out unless the car is totally total. We, we, we can't waste our time with that. Now, this particular guy who I got into the accident with wouldn't let me go back to my car. So he was keeping me on the side of the road from going back to my vehicle. So I basically told them, I feel threatened for my life. Oh, mm. you, okay, we're going to come on out there. Oh, geez. I had to tell someone that my life was being threatened to actually have the police come out and do something. Wow. Sorry. Yeah. I don't. Literally, my saving grace, Patty, is the fact that you and Stephanie <laughs> are on the radio. <laughs> Rose gone. Uh, some, gone. Someone just wrote, uh, someone just said, uh, Chicago traffic, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's what you should play every time the traffic is reported. 
the Mortal Kombat team. <laughs> they also wrote uh, your mic. Uh, they also wrote hashtag team traffic traffic sanity. Do you agree that things have gotten worse and not just necessarily because of the pandemic when it comes to the way people drive? In a joking fashion, I'll answer this two ways. In a joking fashion, I think during the pandemic, people just forgot how to drive. Right. It's not everybody was doing it. And then they got behind the wheel again. They're like, I don't know what to do. Ooh, Daisy. No. In all seriousness, I think that something, I think something broke in some people during the pandemic. Yes. I think that's accurate. Yeah. I know. And people are. More what about me and less about everybody else. Yeah. And I I mean, I, I get it. it. It was a scary time. And I mean, technically, they're still in it. But we're all still human beings. We all still have to drive and we all have to get to where we're going. This isn't called driving at home with yourself with Patty Vasquez. No, there's about 700 other thousand people driving. Correct. At any given time in this city. So come on, people, use your heads, use your hearts, and use your turn signals. You know, I think that turn signals are handy to let people know what's coming next. I often use them as well. I know it's surprising for folks. Uh, someone wrote in th- from the 312, my dad taught me driving awareness. When you see a tur- turn signal flashing, it means only one thing. The turn signal is working. <laughs> oh, that's from our friend Paul. Hey, Paul, good to hear from you. Now, that, that, you know what, now that I think about it, that's probably true, because there are people who, like, turn their signal on, and then they they keep going, and they keep going, they keep going, they keep going, and then I pull up next to them, I'm like, hold on your window. You know your turn signal's on, right? It has been for the past 16 blocks. Oh, sorry. How do you not notice? Yeah, no. <laughs> I know. How? How? I know. And then, and then all of a sudden, it's my fault when I honk my horn. Oh, that's one last thing, and then I promise I'll stop ranting. Rant away. If if there is an obstruction in the road, like a truck backing up, or a UPS truck, or, hell, a person walking across the street with a dog, child, or the fact that they're elderly, do not honk at me. No. To go forward. I can't go anywhere unless you want me to vault over the truck like the Dukes of Hazard. I can't do anything. So why are you hawking? This is not going to make anything go faster. Nope. Does this ever happen again? Yeah, all the time. Here's the thing: is I often think, well, did they see that someone was? Again, this is where I'm like, I get, I'm with you. When someone honks and there's like nothing I could have possibly done, in the absence of like running over, as you mentioned, a senior citizen or someone pushing a stroller or a kid, like you know, making their way across or or whatever, right? And someone starts honking. I believe me, I have the urge to get out of the car and go, "What do you want me to do? Do you want me to kill this person?" By the way. I don't get out of the car. Uh, I no longer engage with uh, other drivers. I don't know if you've seen the sign over the Kennedy that says, please do not uh, do not engage with rage road rage drivers. Have you seen this one? Like other cities have. Welcome to, yeah, welcome to Boston. It. Welcome to Los Angeles. Here it's like, don't make eye contact. Do not. Do not. Yeah, no, there's another sign. That it's something like, I've seen the one you're talking about. There's also one that's like, uh, don't engage, just don't care, or something like that. Okay, yeah, let it let it go, let it go. I don't know how that song goes. I have boys. 
Uh, now, now they wouldn't like Frozen, but they they didn't like musicals, huh? Yeah, I, I, please don't. Because if you start singing "Let It Go," I'm going to have to start singing "Baby Shark" and then we're both singing. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Now I wish I knew the lyrics to to "Let It Go." That's all. I only know the one the one fr- refrain. "Let It Go." That's it. That's all I have. See? Yeah, no, baby no, shark. No. I, I, you know, as a Lyft driver, I when when kids get on the car, I tell the parents of the kids. Uh, I have three rules: seatbelts, please. Two, have fun. And three, if kids are in the car, they get to pick the music. But there are three exceptions. One, there is no Bad Bunny allowed in this car. Is the one rapper I do care for. Which one? Number two, there is no Bad Bunny. Okay, Bad Bunny. No Bad Bunny. Okay, fair. Yeah. Rule number two: absolutely no Frozen or Frozen Two. I don't want to hear Let It Go <laughs> or. Anything sequel to Let It Go. I used to work in Barnes and Noble, and I heard it for months and years, and it was, oh my god! Oh, by the way, that takes decades. That takes decades to outgrow. By the way, the scarring of holiday seasonal music when you're working in retail, it's going to take a while for you to 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 stop cringing every time you hear it. All I want for Christmas is, but I got that. And rule number three, and this is the most important rule. Absolutely zero. Not happening. Not going to play it. Don't even think of asking me. There will be no baby shark. No. I think that's fair. Although now I kind of have it stuck in my head already. So thanks for that. I got to go to traffic now. Thanks, Matt. Love you, Patty. Be safe. Love you too, Matt. (laughs) Take care, Matt. More in a moment. I'll catch up on traffic in just a moment. Hopefully I can get through it smoothly. Information is power. Stay informed to know what's going on. Staying informed gives me the power of knowledge. I wake up. I need to know what happened. I turn on the radio. Because information is power. WCPT 820. Where facts matter. Hey, where's Hal Sparks? I'm not sure where he is now, but I know where you can find him Saturdays at 11. It'll be right here on WCPT 820 for the Hal Sparks radio program. Mega Worldwide. This is WCPT 820 where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. In your communities in Chicago. On WCPT 820. Not the Chicago. The Chicagoland area. Parts of uh, Wisconsin, Indiana. And where people live, uh, listen to us all over the country. You know, I never told you this, Lady B. When I was at another station, there was a listener named David who would call us like around 1 or 2, like 1, one thirty in the morning from Italy. He had found my show. My show was called Pretty Late. I was on the air from 11 p.m. until 2 a.m. And he was learning how to speak English by listening to my show, which put a lot of pressure on me because I, when I get excited or I'm trying to get through something, I talk really fast. So I was very concerned, but he listened to us. I need to message him and make sure that he knows that I'm here. I don't know that David, although it's not the right time zone then. We're not, it's, I don't know what time it is in Italy right now. So it's probably, I can't do the math, you guys. Somebody messaged me what what time it is in Italy. Lady B's looking it up. Let's talk to Judy. Judy, what time is it in Niles? (laughs) Hi, Judy. Hi. Well, it's it's after Patty's show gets all garbled. That's what it is. <laughs> there it is, gargled. Yep. And I, I feel like I've just taken a ride with my husband. <laughs> Why is that? Well, Matt sounds just like him. It's like going Frustrated. for a ride with with the who is the Tasmanian devil or the or no the cartoon character Yosemite Sam. <laughs> <laughs> 
Rootin' tootin'. Wait, that's the uh, the big yeah, rooster. Yeah, the, the horrible. And my husband keeps up a running comment, you know, of of the person in front of him constantly. He can't hear him, of course, but, you know, why are you not putting on your signal? And why are you, you know, not taking off? There was a space as big as... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and I keep telling you, we're, we don't have to be anywhere. We're retired. We're only, you know, we're only going for gas. We're only mailing a letter. <laughs> well, one of our one of our friends on uh, the Facebook live stream says lack of patience is causing many problems with people too quick to get angry over petty stuff. I think that's true. Thank you, Eileen. Well, I, yeah, I think we're awfully spoiled. I keep last couple of years, I keep thinking Americans are just so spoiled. Yeah. I they can't that. put up with anything. I I originally called to say that about the time that my daughter-in-law gave me, it was like candy. Um, she has lupus, and it's it's quite bad. She's had it for a long time, and it, she doesn't react well to a lot of medications. And she goes from one you know thing that she's picked up from it to another. But about seven years ago, she had a few in her pocket Ooh. while we were at my my stepdaughter's house. And she said, you want to try them? She said, you keep saying you want to try them. I said, yeah, but Tim carries on because it kept saying, if you want to try them, I have to be there. And I, when I, she handed me these two candies, and I thought, I'm not going to have my son sit there and watch me for a couple hours. It's just weird. So I brought them home, and they were all going to go to the car show. And I thought, well, that, I'm going to be home alone. This is a perfect time to try one of them. And okay. she had warned me that it's, it's a time thing. She said, you're going to eat them, and, you know, it might it would be half an hour or so before they kick in. Right. So don't do anything. Yep. So I had been warned, and I it, it's terrible. I was just dizzy. I thought I might get some things done, but I, I didn't want to go near the stairs, for one thing. So I couldn't go down and wash clothes, or I stayed <laughs> away from the stairs. And I'm walking around here going, I, so then I threw up. Oh, I, no, Judy. Did it give you a little no, bit of motion sickness kind of thing? It was. Yeah. It was, just, it, it was almost exactly like like alcohol. I felt dizzy and... You know, and I, so so they threw up, and I thought, okay, they say that it's good for sleeping. Maybe I'll take a nap. Well, I tried that. It, I managed to get a few winks in, but it didn't, because I thought that'll pass the time, too. Oh, and I just went on and on and on with that dizzy thing. And then when it went away, though, it was just, boom, gone. Gone. Yeah, it just, it just dissolves. I, yeah. Was that the only time you did Because we've talked about edibles. Have you... Uh, t- have you uh, tried again, or was that your only time? No, I had never tried it before. That's, of course, what when I uh, Rebecca said, "Don't tell, tell him," and I said, "Rebecca, I'm going to tell him eventually. I won't tell him now, <laughs> but uh, you know, a year might go by." But I said, "I I tell my husband pretty much everything, and I tell my son pretty much everything." I, it's always been very open. We don't really do that. So when it did finally come out, <laughs> I told Todd first, and he was—he just kind of laughed it off. <laughs> so I was wondering how long you'd stand it before you wanted to try it. <laughs> right, right. 
But uh, but there was he was a little mad about it. I said, I, Tim, I was up to have you said. He said, Yeah, but you have never even been in the room with it before. You've never even inhaled it in secondhand smoke. He said, I I don't know what. And I've had weird reactions. I know a lot. You know, pills are strange. Yeah. You know, pills that well, like. They say non-drowsy for your um, pills to dry up your nose and stuff. And um, that makes me run the ceiling and make me nervous. I have this opposite reaction. Instead of getting sleepy, I run across the floor and I can't sleep and I wiggle and we have feet. And I, I can only take it, you know, like for a cold or decongestant. And some, when I was at work, they gave them to me one time, and the nurse was right next to me, and she came in, and she said, what's wrong with you? And I said, nothing. She said, you're laughing loud and talking loud and giggling and singing in between. She said, you're acting really strange. I said, oh, you gave me decongestant. Oh, no. Is <laughs> you very sensitive? I was high. Yeah. So it, Oh boy! Uh, one of the men from the uh, maintenance department was in there, and he kept calling me all day and saying, "I have a couple of Excedrin, or I have a couple of decongested, so I'll meet you in the garden." <laughs> so I had to put up with that for a few days. And yeah, that yeah. Have, I it was really a weird experience, and of course when I displaced my hip, and the on the way to the hospital. They were asking me all these questions. Have you ever done this or ever this? And I said, well, several months ago, I, I did have, I tried an edible, and they all laughed. They're all a bunch of young guys, and they all laughed at me. And it, they said, well, you got to try, right? They were, that didn't bother them in the least. So I, I was happy because I didn't think this old lady's trying. <laughs> Aww. Well, so I would nibble. say smaller a smaller dose is a nibble for you, maybe because you're very That's, sensitive. Yeah, I would just say, yeah. I if if I ever did it again, I would bite that thing in half. Do we? Do we? Yes, bite, I would say even maybe even less than half, even a quarter, depending on what like how many milligrams of THC are in the gummy or the piece of chocolate that you have. Yeah. Lady B, this is something I've been thinking about doing. Remember, we were going to start a segment called Highly Recommended. Uh, <laughs> So I don't know. I, I wanted to have some folks that like Alderman Vasquez uh, is very wants to normalize the use of cannabis and uh, and, and uh, legalized marijuana. So maybe I need to find some guests and then start booking. I th- and I'm not allowed to get a sponsor for that. I believe they don't want me to. We don't want to encourage it that way. If you need, if, if you need somebody, I'm in. All right. We, we just have Judy. We just have Judy try stuff and call him with her review. But you have to have already. Ta- you have to ta- like take the edible two hours before the show so that you're still in the full swing. I would of it. have to, yeah, because it. Well, yeah, I would say it was fifteen to twenty minutes before it kicked in. I think. I think we need to have. Uh, we need to have Judy and my mom both yes. taking. Uh, I, my mom. I, I, you know what? I'm not going to say anything about what my mom does. That's for my mom to say what she does if she wants to call in and share. But uh, I, I would. Lo- <laughs> I would love to get oh, Judy and my mom high together. 
the two old mommies. Responsibly, by the way, responsibly and legally is all I'm saying, folks, uh, to all of our listeners and uh, the people that run the station. Well, we're certainly over the age of consent. Yes, so yes. you're safe. Yes, correct. Oh, well, thank you so much, <laughs> Judy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Let me uh, take a break here, and we'll get to your call. 773-763-9278 is the number to call and join our conversation. Jim's on hold. If you want to get on the line, you can text or call, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. More in a moment on Driving It Home with me, Patty Vasquez. (laughs) You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Hey there. Uh, We are taking your calls, 773-763-9278. And coming up after 6 o'clock, we are going to check in. We're going to have a conversation that I think we've been wanting to have for a while. Christopher Cudworth is going to join us to talk about politics and religion and uh, some thoughts he has about Christianity. We also are going to have Nancy Cummings, who is the executive director of the LaGrange Business Association, to talk about all the holiday festivities they have going on there. Here is a Jim who's been on hold for a little bit. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Uh, hi, Kay. Paid leave has been a staple in Europe for decades. Every time I've been to Europe, I'm either surrounded by Germans, French, or Spaniards, or somebody. You know, they're in different foreign countries because they've had paid leave forever. And Gilda, I guess it's Gilda Brand, the senator, she wants to look at this across the board. There should be paid leave. I'm talking about McDonald's, fast food workers, and everybody else has got a month off of paid okay. leave. Uh, Jim, Jim, I, Jim, Jim, hold on. Yeah. Let me, let yeah. me, let's frame this for a moment for folks who want to know why you're, what you're talking about, because not everybody knows about the railroad strike that President Biden has brokered a deal with Congress. Uh, they've come up with an agreement to help broker uh, what would have been a 24 per, They're helping to broker uh, what would include a 24% increase in wages in five years. Um, but they also, what you're mentioning is that they, they gave them one additional paid day off, but did not include paid sick leave. And well, that's really what the railroad workers have been fighting for is a rigid scheduling system that doesn't allow them to take time off to take care of their health or personal time as needed. Anyway, just want to make sure folks know what was uh, what we're talking about. Yeah, but Patty, it shouldn't even be sick It should be if you, if you want to go to the racetrack and blow your, your check, yeah, that's, that's fine. That's, that might that's be part of your health. Off. Yeah. No, it's no, but it's a day off. That's help. That's help. When you go back to work refreshed, you you feel better, don't yeah. you? I mean, if you're just pushed along like a, like a son of a gun. But think of our our representatives. They get a month off. They get AAA health care. They, they go nuts if they were stuck oh, in there. Oh my God! Uh, right? Yeah. How, how many? How many of the you know uh, of these representatives if they were stuck for all day long, or even had to go to the floor? Or, I mean, uh, I they wouldn't do it. I know they wouldn't do it. Mm-mm. But yet they 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 screw just in in these work conditions. I'm I'm this very. Should be, this I'm, should be a 
I'm very surprised by a lot of the pro labor Democrats who are agreeing to this. I'm not sure if there's something that we don't, that we're missing a part of this. Uh, well, I think here's what it is. I think they're going to go behind. There's still the mandatory. What I could glean from the statement she made, she wants to revisit the whole idea of paid leave. Everybody should get paid leave to refresh their brain and their poor little body before they go back to the sawmill. And I think that's what she's alluding to, because that's a European staple. Uh, the Germans, if you're ever in Europe, you're, you're always surrounded by Germans. They get a month off, paid, both spouses, and they're, they get better work uh, production because of it. Because when they go back to work, they're refreshed and so on and so forth. Yeah. But, but, we, but we, we, sooner or later, we got to come to that conclusion. But I think that that's what there's, I think that's behind the scene that, uh, you know, you know what killed everything here was this pandemic. Nobody realizes the uh, economic devastation this pandemic caused. And then the war in Ukraine on top of it, the sadistic Putin starts a war right after a, a million, I got a million people lost their lives. Uh, supply chains are affected, so on and so forth. But they have to go back and give people leave. And not call it sick leave, just call it leave. Right. Uh, if you're sick, unfortunately, if you're sick, then you're sick. That's not good leave. You're, I'd rather go out and feeling pretty good when I left. But anyway, you, I mean, this is all over Europe. The Marshall Plan was put in in the in the 40s uh, after World War II, and they were unionized. Japan was unionized. Italy was unionized. Uh, all the Texas countries had to be unionized. They had to agree to that, and they've been unionized ever since. But we're, we're, for some reason, the Republican Party is trying to drag us into this, uh, you know, into the 1840s where we're in a coal mine with no, uh, no relief. Anyway, Patty, I mean, but that's, uh, it, it, they've got to get Lead, paid lead to refresh the worker. And that should be across the board. That's for every waitress and waiter and bartender and everybody else. Should get a month off or three weeks off or whatever they can negotiate to refresh and go back to work with a different attitude. And there you have a good night. Thanks for listening to my spiel today. No, it gets me crazy when I hear that nonsense. You I know. know what I, mean? I know, Jim. Take it, take a, take a breath. All <laughs> right, very right, okay. Take care. Take, take care. care. Thanks so bye. much. Uh, I just got. Bye, I just, bye, thank you. I just got a text. Uh, back in the nineties, when employers decided they couldn't trust workers with sick days, they just rolled it up as personal days. It's ridiculous that they now have discussions about this. We have a standard of benefits and time off for workers, and the railways should accept the fair treatment of the employees. And that's the thing is that. So I'm looking at an article from just a couple of days ago from uh, Forbes magazine. Uh, the headline is "Pro Strike Workers." get blamed for bad management at big rail companies. And we all know that uh, President Biden has been priding himself on being a pro-labor guy and has been working with the unions. Uh, This is something that he is explaining has to be done in order to avert, uh, whether it's the holiday season or the billions of dollars in commerce and and transporting people uh, across the country, including, I mean, this affects everything, the metro rail, because we do share the rail lines with freight trains. Um, But the problem hasn't been, it's not that the, it always gets framed 
uh, that workers are greedy, whether we're talking about uh, teachers or, uh, you know, we, we've talked to our friend Brett Lyon from IBEW. The problem hasn't been greedy workers. The managers at the biggest rail companies, according to this article in Forbes, have been slashing workforces over the year beyond a safe point for the driver in order to have uh, higher profits. So if the strike doesn't happen as a as a result of this, expect the economy to blow up, inflation to rise, and recession to move more certainly in this direction. While Biden's rhetoric has been all about labor all the time, the overall environment has been hostile to that, like the failed attempt to prop up the PRO Act, a predictable first step to many things, including the attempt to end true independent contractor business and force everyone to be employees in hopes they join unions. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know that was a thing because I have been an independent contractor in many areas for over 25 years. Um, and independent contractors have absolutely no rights. We are – we the way you feel as an independent contractor, especially as a performer, is that you're like, oh, someone's giving me stage time. I'm doing what I want to do. And, and, and there ha- I wish that there had been some balance to that uh, in order to protect those who uh, perform because the – workplace in so many comedy clubs and venues that I've been to, whether it's from sexual harassment to just verbal abuse to everybody. It's 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 a lot. It's a lot. Uh, it takes its toll. Anyways, let's moving on. Uh, talking about the possible rail strike that President Biden and Congress is trying to, they're basically trying to impose a temporary deal. Uh, but the other thing is, uh, there's only so much when there's a conflict of interest. Uh, right now, f- framing rail workers on one side and the overall all, overall economy on the other. So I even said that, right? The Congress and the president is trying to straddle this line of, well, this could cost us billions of dollars. We've got to get people to work. We've got to get goods shipped across the country. So we are, but yeah, we are. We're, we're framing this as like, well, if we can't get that, if we can't achieve getting people to work and moving goods across the country. Well, it's the rail workers' fault. This goes back to our conversation from the last half hour, by the way, is that we are all arriving at this situation from different points of view, and some of us just learning about it, not with the lived experience of the people who work for the railway, right? We don't know what it's like to be on call, on demand all the time without any paid sick leave. I... See, I mean, like that's 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 intense. There are good there are good reasons why rail workers have given up on simply taking what they are offered. They are angry. A raise was definitely part of what they had sought, which was uh, in some ways we talked about how that's going to ramp up through 2024. But part of what they really wanted, the grant, the big sticking point has always been. And I think we've talked about this before. It's always been about attendance, sick time and scheduling the rail, the rail lines, all these big railroad, you know, all these conglomerates, they all want, they want workers available on demand and they want to restrict the amount of sick time. And this is not sustainable. Um, it's, it's simply, look, the number of employees has not been constant in October of 2000, uh, using non-seasonally adjusted numbers. There were 220,200 transportation workers on the railroads. Now, as of October, 2022, 142,300 workers. There were 8,423 injuries in 23, in 2000. Uh, so this is the thing. There's also about, there's been a reduction of uh, the number of injuries because there, there are less workers. Uh, and, but 
We have less workers and freight and freight traffic on our railroads has gone up. Right. In 2000, the number of hauled containers and trailers was seven hundred eighty two thousand six hundred ninety four. By the end of last year, it was at one million one hundred twenty nine thousand one hundred twenty five. It was up forty four percent. And yet there was what I I mentioned, over 80,000 less railroad workers. So. and then, of course, the railroad companies are going to say, well, if we hire more workers and profits go down, even though they have they're making a lot of profit. OK. Anyway, I'm just saying I, I hope that uh, I know that there are a lot of folks in Congress fighting for our labor unions. Obviously, AOC is at the forefront of this. I know that our newly elected uh, Congresswoman Delia Ramirez has been talking about this. Uh, Chewy Garcia has been uh, vocally supportive of the railroad workers. I just hope that this is not because they want a temporary deal in order to get through the holiday season. Uh, it's just, but I mean, look at this: the uh, BNSF Railway, owned by Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, which, by the way, is Warren Buffett, had a revenue of $22.5 billion. <laughs> CSX Corp. had a revenue of 2021 of $12.5 billion, and profits before ta- taxes was $5 billion. Uh, these, and they're not going to back down and hire more people to take some of the stress off of workers. Anyway, this is an untenable situation. Let's get to uh, our news, and we're going to check in with our good friend Christopher to talk about politics and religion. Maybe more maybe more religion. We'll see how it goes. More in a moment on WCPT 820. We're driving it home till 7. Chicago's Progressive Talk. WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT much for hanging out with us as we are driving it home until seven. A few weeks ago, I received a message from Christopher Cudworth who wanted to talk about the, uh, he wanted to talk about uh, his book, uh, Honest to Goodness, Why Christianity Needs a Reality Check and How to Make It Happen. Uh, He talks about the misguided brands of religion and how they intersect with politics and how we can solve it. Christopher joins us on the line. Hey, Christopher, how are you doing today? Really good, Patty. I really liked hearing that news bit about the Rubik's Cube before I came on the air because, well, he talked about the fact that, uh, you know, to solve complex problems, you need to divide them down into smaller problems. Right. That's really what I did with this book. Uh, So my background is I was an editorial writer for Daily Herald for a little bit. And in journalism, you know, um, that's what you do is you break uh, large problems down to smaller problems. And I edited columns by people like Ann Coulter and George Will and Cal Thomas, but also Molly Ivins. So got in the habit of looking at outcomes. You know, what are people really, really thinking? And uh, during all that era, of course, we were in the thick of the Bush regime and doing a lot of thinking about uh, religion as it impacts politics. And I published a book in 2007 called The Genesis Fix that a professor of religion at Luther College uh, Dr. Richard Simon Hansen picked up and loved it and sent me a manuscript that he'd written and said, if you ever want to write a sequel, and um, you, you can use any or all of this. And so that was the inspiration for this book, um, which is called Honest to Goodness. And the whole purpose is to get back to truth and goodness, which we've seen 
a lot of abuse um, in modern politics right now with the Trump era and evangelicals throwing their support behind them. So there was powerful motivation to write this book. Well, I, I don't know if you've heard me over the last few weeks talking about this very, um, I, I think, unfortunate and dangerous situation that we're in right now, where you have someone like Lauren Boebert saying, you know, it, the government shouldn't be telling religion what to do. Religion should be telling the government what to do. And the, all these very strident and ugly and hurtful things that so-called Christians are saying when it comes to who people are, who they love, how they dress, what they look like, all these different things. And it's just not what I, even though I I grew up in a fairly strict uh, religious household, that's part of why I'm no longer a Mormon, uh, is that uh, I, I, I think that religion, Christianity, or any religion should be an invitation to here's what you, we think, how do you feel about that, how does that fit in with your life, does this appeal to you, does that help you understand the universe better? Does it under, help you treat each other well and kindly? You know what I mean? Like that's that's where I have a lot of trouble with religion in general. And I have been listening to your program, and you put your finger on something that I'll touch on really quickly. And basically, um, if you recall from you know the Christian Bible and the New Testament, the people that Jesus had problems with were the political and religious authorities of his day, and so did John the Baptist. And they challenged him. And, of course, we all know the outcome of that. Um, But after that, for another 100 to 300 years, uh, the formative Christian religion argued about who Jesus was and what he meant. And there was all kinds of different Christianities. But ultimately, in, you know, sometime in the fourth century, Christianity consolidated with the Roman Empire and became the one thing that Jesus most despised, a legalistic uh, authority obsessed with power, and that it was the start of a long history of then anti-Semitism, where Christians blamed uh, Jews for the death of Jesus, and that went on for a long, long time, and uh, ultimately was still the case when the Reformation rolled around with Martin Luther. And I know this sounds, this is a little thick with religious history, but bear with me because there's a... Oh, no, 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 I'm I'm loving it. If you could see me on the Facebook live stream and my eyes are wide open, I'm like, yes, go. (laughs) So the whole point here being that uh, Luther then challenged that legalism and that form of religion, and successfully to some degree. But the fact of the matter is that Martin Luther, even though I went to Luther College in Iowa, I never heard what an anti-Semite Martin Luther was. But he had some compassion because he honestly admitted that if um, Christians had been, Gentiles had been treated um, by future Christians uh, the way that Christians treated the Jews, no one would ever have joined. Um, so at that point, uh, you know, Christianity went into this long series of inquisitions and crusades and a lot of history went on, but over that basically 1,500-year period, the main thing that they did was combat with other religions and blame Jews. Well, uh, the outcome was that a gentleman, and I use that term sarcastically, named Adolf Hitler turned around and said, well, you know, we're not doing anything to the Jews that Christians have not been doing for 1,500 years. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, those were his, basically I paraphrased, but those were her his actual words. And so what happened in that same period of time was that we had the Protestant Reformation going on, and so there were these parallel truths along all this time, and of course Catholics and Protestants fought 
bitterly. And ultimately, what we wound up was that Protestantism went off on its own legalistic journey. And now, to this day, we sort of see the Bible treated as this um, unchanging, holy writ. And sadly, the product of that is that it brings along with it a form of anachronism, basically a thing that belongs to another time. So we have all the references to slavery and to anti-gay rhetoric and to lack of women's rights and the patriarchal authority. And so there's all this going on in present day, and it's all absorbed into the modern legacy. Now, here's the kicker. You know, I shared with you that I was going to break this down into really, really smaller problems. Because if you go all the way back into the Jewish um, uh, scripture, we find a character, uh, the serpent, in Genesis. And it's interesting, because the one thing the serpent does that I think gets forgotten too often is that his words, or the words of the serpent, were meant to take... Adam and Eve under its control, under its authority. And so we always hear the tradition of blaming Adam and Eve for original sin, but the actual instrument of that sin is contained in a big warning that basically religion can be the biggest threat to our hearts and souls as any other threat in this world. We're taught to fear sin, but we're not taught to be suspicious of religion that goes off track. And I think that's a major flaw. And so what we have over all this time was and is a brand of Christianity that basically gaslights people uh, for, um, you know, the Jews for the death of Christ, but also other people wanting a more honest and good religion, but are blocked from it by the same kind of legalism and laws that Jesus fought in those original religious authorities. So that's how the outcomes work. And so it explains why, in our modern culture, we have evangelicals joining with uh, people like Donald Trump and basically the Republican Party in an effort to um, maintain power and control over culture and install sort of the Christian nationalism that they're predicting. Because that is the history of the more legalistic side of the Christian church. Oh, it's so much. It's, uh, it is so warped. And again, uh, you know, to cherry pick, I mean, essentially what all these folks do is cherry pick the parts that sound right to diminish and marginalize people is the way I see it. Right. And, and thereby control and elevate people like you're a good person because at least you're not that. At least you're not gay right. or Jewish or black or an immigrant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I despise the phrase, you know, love the sin or hate the sin. It's just another form of gaslighting. But the most profound and ugly example of what you're talking about is how that story of Sodom and Gomorrah has been used to, you know, even the word sodomize and all that. It had nothing to do with homosexual relationships or sex at all. It was about gang rape. And actually, that mm-hmm. wasn't the true sin of Sodom. When you study theology, you find out the real sin of Sodom was that those communities refused to take care of their own people. They refused to treat others nicely or honestly or uh, with goodness in their culture, and they abused strangers. And that's what the real sin of those places was. But again, just like gaslighting the Jews, 
gays have been gaslighted. My son is gay, and we grew up in a very, we uh, lived uh, through, you know, 27 years of a very conservative church. Uh, my late wife and I were members there, and our children were raised in that. But all the way toward the end of her life, we lost her to cancer in 2013. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, she, about, about a year and a half out, said, I'm done. Even though I was raised in this religion, I'm done. I'm tired of hearing them preach hate. And so we moved, and we went to a much more welcoming church. And that is also what drove me to this idea, well, what's the real goal here of genuine religion, which is, can we find the honest versions of, as you put it, um, of Scripture that don't ostracize people, that don't turn people into the other? And that's why I focused on this idea of honesty, because we saw a lot of disinformation during the lead up to the 2016 campaign and this complete tolerance for, you know, political subterfuge and throwing religion's force and might behind a political movement strictly for control, ultimately resulting in this um, ideology of Christian nationalism and even the insurrection, because some of the people there, you know, were basically claiming to be Christians and, um, you know, carrying along with it some of that old-time anti-Semitism. That was the ugliest side of that entire thing. And so it's hard for us to sit here, Patty, and realize or recognize that people think like this, still think like this. And it's yeah. really frustrating and it's painful, isn't it? It really, it's painful. And it's, it, and I've mentioned this before, it never ceases to surprise me, even though it happens over and over again. I, I would rather be disappointed by people and individuals and I guess allow myself to get outraged uh, situationally rather than being angry all the time, because I find that this drives people to just give up, to not want to be engaged politically or or be a part of an or- a group of people that might speak to their spirituality. Do you mind, if Christopher, if we take a break? Uh, I need to take a break here and uh, continue our conversation. Again, we're talking to Christopher Cudworth. Uh, Let folks know where they can pick up your book, by the way, because I know that you've got that available on Amazon. Is there any place else you'd like them to go? Yeah, and you can visit my website at ChristopherCudworth.com. It's right there. Christopher Cudworth, that's with a C, C C-U-D-W-O-R-T-H. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment on WCPT 820. We're driving it home. We're talking religion. (laughs) I knew I needed to get to this eventually. Thank you for recommending it, Christopher. (laughs) More in a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. To driving it home with Patty Vasquez in your communities in Chicago on WCPT 820. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We are talking to Christopher Cudworth. He's written the book Honest to Goodness Why Christianity Needs a Reality Check and How to Make It Happen. So that's the part we need to talk about next. How, I mean, you're talking about being honest and having these conversations and searching out what speaks to you. How do we uh, how do we approach this and how do we how do we help them with this reality check? Perfect, because that's what I was going to bring up next. And so the the best example um, that we provide in this in this book is that when you think about how Jesus taught, he wasn't one to rely strictly on Scripture. Uh, he would quote certain passages of Scripture, but think about um, the methods he used. He was a great teacher because he taught in parables. And these parables were often centered in like organic symbols, like the yeast 
in the dough or the mustard seed. And these organic symbols were meant to convey spiritual principles because they related to people in their everyday life. And that's the most important part of the, the way that people can sort of get back to this honesty and this goodness. Because if you think about all the important symbols beyond uh, Christ's teaching and further in the Bible, almost all of them are based on these organic symbols. They, um, I think of the rock, the dove, the lamb, the tree of knowledge, the river of life. Without these organic symbols, we really, really wouldn't have access to what we know or think about when it comes to God. Now, here's the funny part, okay? So while he was teaching this way, his own disciples gathered around one day and said, you know, why do you keep doing this? Why don't you just, you know, tell it straight? Why don't you just quote scripture? Isn't that enough? And you know what he did? He turned around and said, are you so dull? Do you not get that what we're sharing here, we're building a community. We're getting people to understand how God relates to their everyday lives. And there's a term in literature that describes this. It's called metonymy, the use of the character of one thing to describe another. And that's really what the entire Bible is. It is uh, basically like a giant parable that we're supposed to draw insight and wisdom and knowledge from and not turn around and turn it into some sort of literal doctrine that can be used to sort of limit other people's access to the God. And basically, uh, you think about the Lord's Prayer, you know, it says, uh, as in heaven, you know, we should do it here on earth. And that's a real, real reality. And that's why I say we need a reality check. Um, It's not some, uh, the book itself is also aimed towards secular readers who want to know how and why this has all happened. So this isn't strictly about uh, a theological journey for Christians. It's also a book about how and why this came about and how to deal with it in everyday life. Um, Because basically the product of all this legalism is what's called bad theology. And I quote another author, uh, this guy, Victor Scott. Uh, I do a lot of reading when I write a book, a lot. And he wrote, bad theology lets us off the hook for our actions and puts us in more favorable circumstances. We all come out feeling better about ourselves, even if the truth of the matter is something else. Bad theology is bad precisely because it puts us in the position of having to defend God from his own word. God does not need defending I just think that's yeah. so brilliant yeah. because that's what we have. We have all these people, and there's a term for it in evangelical communities. It's called apologetics, which means defending the faith. But when you are coming at it from a construct that's previously or already flawed, then you're defending from a flawed position. And that's what the whole honesty, honest-to-goodness thing is about. How do we see beyond this uh, warped thing? And I talk about one more thing. Uh, I won't take up too much time, but I talk about one more thing in here. Um, The parallel between biblical literalism and constitutional originalism. Now, biblical literalism is the idea that everything, uh, the way it was Bible was written, is never changing, and we can't alter a word of Scripture, and we see a parallel in the constitutional treatment. And lo and behold, who are the two most fervent allies in our modern culture? It is people who abide by this notion that, you know, the Constitution is written a certain way and nothing's unchanging, and look at the outcomes. We've got the Second Amendment. 
which people can't touch because they say, oh, it's meant to be interpreted the way it was done. And we, on the religion side, we get creationism and we get um, people adverse to science and denying climate change because they claim, well, only God could do something so big as change the climate. So they don't embrace science. And then all of a sudden we see people uh, refusing to get COVID shots. So there's this connection between the religion mindset and the political mindset that goes along. And that's what we're up against as progressives. It's a lot of work. It's uh, it, it, we're up against a lot because we're not even allowed into the conversation. And, and I'm so tired of trying to reason with people who are not just unreasonable, but almost manic and the gaslighting part. I mean, because they're so they truly believe that many of them do. Um, so I think it's an ongoing conversation that we have to have as uh, things continue to arise, especially when we see uh, candidates weaponizing religious groups in order to drive the Judeo-Christian white supremacy uh, agenda and narrative into our, uh, you know, everyday life. Uh, Christopher, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to run, but I really, I would love to have you on again very soon and let's continue this conversation. Thank you, Patty. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Again, one more time, Christopher Cudworth, uh, let folks know where they can pick up your book. Honest to goodness. Honest to goodness. Uh Why Christianity needs a reality check and how to make it happen. You can find it on amazon.com or on my website at ChristopherCudworth.com. And this isn't your only book. They can find uh, your other work there as well when they when they look you up and go to your website, ChristopherCudworth.com as well, right? You sure can, yes. Thank uh, you. Excellent. Have a wonderful evening, and I will talk to you again very soon. Please don't hesitate to reach out if something occurs to you, and I will get you on. Thank you, Patty. I love listening to you. I appreciate it. I loved our conversation. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. Let's uh, take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about some holiday events coming up. I, I really uh, I want I want to have a much longer conversation with Christopher about, uh, you know, religion and the uh, the chokehold it seems to have on so many people uh, and how we can work around that work with people more in a moment. We're going to ta- oh, talk to our friend Nancy Cummings about some wonderful events coming up in LaGrange. More in a moment on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. This is WCPT 820, where you can hear The Stephanie Miller Show every weekday, 8 to 11 a.m., because facts matter. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Are you? Uh, having a tough time getting in the mood of the holiday seasons or are you just doing everything holiday centric well there's a great event to either get you in the mood or get that that momentum going that you've already got that energy that excitement for the holiday season in LaGrange hometown holidays uh, we have on the line with us Nancy Cummings who's the executive director for the LaGrange Business Association Nancy it sounds like you guys have quite the event lined up for the weekend how are you doing today we're doing great, Patty, and we do have a great event. It's a great way to kick off the holiday season or really enhance the holiday season if it's already in start, started for you. We've got the LaGrange Holiday Walk, which is a long-time tradition. This Saturday from 5 till 9 p.m., but we really get events that go on all day long. I, and this is and this is a tradition for a lot of folks too, because it's such a beautiful area, a lot of great shops and restaurants, uh, and just the energy of the downtown Lagrange area is wonderful. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that folks can expect for the, uh, especially for the entire family, because I know you know we want to get the kids out, get them excited, enjoy the magic of the season. So what's planned? 
Exactly. It is a magical season, and it is an all-ages event. So we've got a fantastic tree lighting that Santa arrives with Mrs. Claus by fire truck at 530. We've got a madrigal choir singing. There's petting zoos, pony rides, free trolleys, um, lots of open houses at merchant at different merchants. But what is the most spectacular thing about LaGrange is the magnificent illumination. This event is sponsored by Dubac Electrical Group, which is a local manufacturer, and LaGrange is really lit up in a spectacular way. So when you drive down LaGrange Road, even if you don't stop, you're going to enjoy going through the village because it's it's a very magical experience. I love that they're arriving by fire truck. They must know somebody in the fire department there in LaGrange. They've got connections, yeah. yeah Anna and Mrs. Claus can do whatever they want. I love that. And you're also, uh, you know that you have, so tell us a little bit about the LaGrange Holiday Digital Wish Book, too. You know, this is a really an answer to the online shopping desire that people have. This is a 32-page digital catalog where all of our small, local, independent, family-owned retailers and businesses, a lot of them have contributed to this, uh, to this particular catalog so that you can shop or browse their offerings from wherever you are, from the comfort of your home. You can have a nice glass of wine or a cup of hot chocolate, put up your feet and browse the flip book. Um, for all these things, you can see it at LaGrangeEvents.com. But the one thing about LaGrange, and really for all small villages, it's the family-owned businesses that make it so special. And that's one thing that we really want to enhance this holiday season, that the things that you can get in LaGrange and the experiences that you have, you can't get anywhere else. And that's true with any any um, town or village municipality that has those family-owned businesses. So if there's one message that I'd like to relay to your listeners is that please support the small businesses that make their neighborhood their neighborhood because they contribute so much to the community. Absolutely. That was one of my big passions, especially at the height of the pandemic, was here's all these great places that not only support people that live in my community, whether they work there or uh, enjoy wonderful memories there, is that that's, you know, that's such a big part of our landscape are the restaurants and the bookstores, the thrift stores, the boutiques, uh, you know, anything that, that makes, that adds character and, you know, this energy to your neighborhood. It makes, like, my, my favorite oh. joints have, most of them have survived. Sadly, some did not. And uh, it wasn't for a lack of eating a lot of food is all I'm saying, Nancy. <laughs> I eat a lot of local food. <laughs> That's exactly true. And, you know, so you'll find in LaGrange, for example, Tate's Old Fashioned Ice Cream Shop. It's exactly Yum. what the name says it's an old-fashioned they have gingerbread house making um, kits that you can purchase there we've got primal ocean salt cave which is a salt cave whose walls are lined with tons and tons of pink himalayan salt so you can lie there and detox and de-stress and decompress in a really relaxing atmosphere um, there's a little retailer called whisper me home they've got pop-up workshops called Santa's Alley, where you can schedule private visits with Santa. You can make a craft with your family. So these are very small group family workshops that you have just for your own customized um, relationship. Uh, Jack's West End, during the holiday walk tomorrow, they'll have uh, free s'more stations with a little bonfire out in front of their store. So you can hop on the trolley, ride to Jack's West End, which is a men's retailer, and enjoy some of their s'mores. There's tea tasting. There's candle making. So there's a lot of things that are happening in LaGrange uh, on Saturday night, but really throughout the holiday season that give you engaging experiences that people, I think, really relish and really desire. And that was the one thing we all 
that became painfully aware during COVID is it was those engaging experiences that we didn't have that give your life an energy um, and an excitement that, that we all really need. I just love all the the great things you have, including I kind of want to just come out there and take a selfie with an Elfie. Honestly. Please do. We have photo boards throughout the village where you can take a little picture with you and your family poking your heads through the through the board so that you look like an elf. There's just a lot to do. Uh, like I said, magnificent life displays, um, a vintage sleigh you can sit in for your family photos. So it's the kind of um, location and this is the kind of event, not just on Saturday, but throughout the holiday season where you can really come and experience that family gathering time. Our restaurants have specialty cocktails. They're called Ho 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 Holiday Cocktails. So you might get the Jingle Ball Smash at Steak and Vine or you might get the Slippery Santa at Santiago's Mexican Restaurant. You have a lot of experiences uh, for all the senses when you go to the different locations at LaGrange. Oh, how fun! Uh, For folks, by the way, as as we're having this conversation again with Nancy Cummings, who is uh, telling us about the incredible events uh, happening in in LaGrange this weekend, December 3rd. She's the executive director of the LaGrange Business Association. You can go to LaGrangeEvents.com. And for folks who are kind of wondering a little bit about LaGrange, uh, which really does, as I'm reading here, has that small town feel with a big city vibe, too, because you're so close. Folks can Mm -hmm. take the Metro train. There's a couple stops for LaGrange, aren't there, on the Metro? Yeah, it's an 18-minute express ride from downtown Chicago to LaGrange. We, it's served by two train stations, the LaGrange Road train station and the historic Stone Avenue train station. And on Saturday at the train at the Stone Avenue train station, we'll have letters to Santa. And at the LaGrange Road train station, we'll have uh, meet and greets with your favorite frozen princess and her friend Olaf. So oh. um, there's a lot going on. But, yeah, you can hop on a train. And the great thing about LaGrange is uh, LaGrange Road really cuts right through the center of it or accesses the middle of it. And that's three U.S. highways. So it's really very uh, accessible by any of the expressways. Um, it's just a, a hop, skip, and a jump to get here. I love that. By the way, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Metro. 18 minutes. That's that's fantastic, folks. I mean, yeah. that way you can go, have a good time, know that you're being safe and being responsible, and uh, and have a great time. I You know what? I, I don't think I've ever talked to you about the... Because um, I, I love reading about the history of LaGrange, the founding, how it was uh, carefully planned. I don't know. Who was this Franklin D. Cossett? I don't <laughs> like He a- was a landowner um, that came and settled here. Uh, LaGrange actually was kind of founded uh, as a result of the Chicago fire when, um, you know, people had to exit the city and he bought up a lot of land in this area and um, and really developed it. We've got a great restaurant called Milk Stop, which is right opposite the Stone Avenue train station. And it was uh, named for that because that used to be a milk stop from the city of Chicago when you would, the train would go out to Aurora and you would stop there and um, and the milk would be unloaded. So LaGrange has a great historical society that I'd love your listeners to know about. The LaGrange Area Historical Society has a spectacular um, um, uh, historic home that it's based out of. It has a lot of great events and in fact one of them is so cute. Throughout the holiday season they have tin can Santa visits. You know little kids in the olden days you would kind of do a telephone with two tin cans and a long string. That was a, an outcropping that they um, developed 
like being a visit with Santa. You, Santa sits on the porch and you talk to him through the tin can. So that's just one of the fun things they do. They've got a lot of holiday teas throughout the holiday season. Uh, but for anyone who really wants to know about the history of the area, the historic homes that are so beautiful here, um, they, at the LaGrange Area Historical Society is a great resource. That sounds amazing. I mean, I'm a big dork when it comes to history, so I would love to find out more about that and, and learn. And I also, I'm wondering about these uh, ice sculptures. When do they come out? Because I know it's going to warm up a little bit. It's per- definitely good weather for it right now. And of course, they know how to, you know, all these sculptures, these artists know their their craft and how to manage the weather and things like that. But when do they get out there and start uh, chipping away at these big blocks of ice? Well, they are actually, they'll come already formed. They've already, they're being carved now. So they'll become and be put into place on Saturday afternoon so that as the holiday walk starts at 5 p.m. before Santa comes, the big blocks of ice will already be on display in front of local businesses. And people can go to LaGrangeEvents.com, find the map to where all the ice pieces are located, and they can walk around and kind of admire the glistening pieces of artwork as they stroll LaGrange. That's so much fun. I love, I love, love, love all of it. And is there, now is the Ho-Ho Cocktails, is that something that's going to be, uh, oh, there's there's caroling for a cause. Tell us a little bit about the, this yeah. event, too. Yeah, on Saturdays throughout the holiday season, we do have local caroling groups that will be just on the sidewalk through the Central Business District caroling for a specific cause. So it might be a church group, for example, that is trying to raise funding to restore a historic organ. It might be a local choir group that's, uh, you know, caroling for Special Olympics. So they'll be on the sidewalks of LaGrange strolling about on selected Saturdays through the holiday season. So it really just lends a little bit more magic and, and festive spirit to the whole holiday experience when you visit LaGrange. That's fantastic. I, I really uh, <laughs> want to make it out there. I, I have to perform on Saturday, so I won't be able to make it this, this this Saturday. But you mentioned this is going on throughout the holiday season. And I know everything's available on the website at LaGrangeEvents.com. But I'm guessing like all every store, every restaurant is going to have their own sort of uh, holiday seasonal events going through all the way through the New Year's, right? That's true. So I would encourage people to follow LaGrange Business Association on Facebook or Instagram because we will be posting all that information. And yes, during the holiday walk, um, all of our all of our retailers and our shops, they have very festive open houses. So you can kind of experience some of those uh, things as you as you stroll LaGrange. But throughout the holiday season, yes, we've got a lot of different things. Like I said, there might be um, tea tastings at Wonderful Matcha, which is a local tea emporium that specializes in teas for whatever ails you. Um, so again, if it's stress, if it's sleepiness, if it's focus, there's teas that can address that, and the tea experts will talk about that at the tea tastings. Um, it might be a candle-making workshop at Bottle and Bottega, or it might be a wreath-making workshop that's available the holiday season at a, a little um, florist called Bloom 3. So there's a lot going on throughout the month. Um, and it's really just a great destination for people who want to experience fun and engaging and beautiful ways. How many uh, how many of these events have you been a part of, Nancy? Of the hometown holiday walk, twelve. Uh, <laughs> but who's but who's counting? Yeah, sure, twelve. Twelve. This will be like twelve. Uh, so how <laughs> so how did you know? How did you guys manage through the pandemic? I know that you guys adjusted and had to be nimble, um, but it's still bringing holiday cheer for folks because you had a lot of outdoor events, right? 
Yeah, it's funny you should say that because as you look through your old files or your old photo files, I'll see things from 2020. I'll be like, oh, right, I forgot about that. (laughs) But in 2020, we did um, beautiful window displays. People really couldn't go into the stores at that time, uh, that particular December. And so we had local businesses that sponsored beautiful window displays. We wanted people to encourage, wanted to encourage them to still walk and stroll and experience LaGrange and the beautiful lighting, the holiday lighting and the festive atmosphere. So um, we had uh, businesses sponsored the window displays. We also had drive-through Santa visits. Santa and Mrs. Claus were in a tent oh. um, outside at FNBC Bank uh, near the Sun Avenue train station. So we had lines of cars with uh, people waiting to drive by to visit Santa. You rolled down your window and Santa and Mrs. Claus could talk to you. You could give your holiday wish list to Santa at that time. Um, so there were just lots of really clever ways that all, all businesses um, came up with at that time to really help people engage with the magic of the season and still do it in a safe and practical way. It's wonderful. And how much has it grown since the first one that you, that you did 12 years ago? You know, it's consistently very busy because LaGrange really is a destination. Um, I think years ago it was pretty much a, a local community event, and now it does attract people from surrounding areas because it is so beautiful and well-attended. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to experience all the different uh, amenities that our, our local businesses have to offer. LaGrange is a superb dining destination, so we find that our restaurants are quite busy that night, um, and people really do take a look and see what are the new res- restaurants that opened or places that they have not yet tried because they want to come back and experience those either later in December or when we host uh, Restaurant Week, LaGrange Restaurant Week, which will be in the first quarter. That's wonderful. Is there anything else we want to make sure we know about before I let you go? I think that we would love to see you out here and all your listeners, not just for the LaGrange Holiday Walk on Saturday, but anytime throughout the holiday season because we want to help you celebrate in style and spread some holiday cheer. I would love that. Thank you so much for for sharing so much great information. Again, go to LaGrangeEvents.com. It's been a pleasure talking to Nancy. Nancy Cummings is the executive director of the LaGrange Business Association. And, you know, I know Lisa connects us all the time. I look forward to finding out what you have coming up next. And I would promise I'm going to make it out there before New Year's to enjoy the holiday sights and sounds of LaGrange. I think that would be great. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you, Nancy. Have a great night. Happy holidays. Take care. Let me take a break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up. If you want to say something before I go, 773-763-9278. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Trying to get that button to work. Oh, I have to turn that off. I'm, all I, every time I try to play audio Lady B with uh, Chris Jones, I, I don't think I'm doing it right because it ends up sounding like... Can you, you can't hear that echo, but when callers... You can't hear that? I can hear that. Never mind. Hi, everybody. We are driving it home until 7 o'clock, and I want to thank all of our guests that we've had on the show today. Nancy Cummings from LaGrange, uh, from their uh, from their business district, having a great, really, I, I'm so, I, I'm trying very hard, you guys, to get into the season. I stopped by Tata's Tacos tonight over on Irving Park Road. <gasps> by the way, she has new taco pizzas. Come on. And empanadas. 
It's so good. Okay, I might not be in the holiday season, but I'm always up for a good meal. And uh, so she's an, an, uh, unveiling some new menu items. Uh, Tata's Tacos is at 5700 West Irving Park Road, over by there, not far from uh, like Irving and uh, Irving and Central. My, there's a Dairy Queen over there and uh, McDonald's and stuff. But uh, I'll be there next Thursday, December 8th, along with Janice Rodriguez, uh, Lele Mason, uh, Bill Gorgo, and Anthony Fuentes. So that'll be a great show. I'll be broadcasting live from there at 5 o'clock. So you can stop by a little bit early and we can uh, hang out. Roosevelt, how are you doing tonight, Roosevelt? Hello, Patty. Hello. How are you doing? How you are? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I, if I keep saying it, it'll be true, right? If I keep saying I'm, I'm good. I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, listen, uh, I, I want to go back to the, what is it, Oath Keepers? Is that uh, the guy? Uh-oh. Yeah, the guy that got uh, uh, charged and uh, found yeah, guilty. The, the pirate, the pirate guy, the pirate. <laughs> okay, we don't know how he lost his eye, uh, but I don't know if he's officially a pirate or not. But yes, the Oath Keepers leader with the uh, what's his? I think his... he shot himself in the eye. That's what they said. Is that what it was? Oh dear. Yeah, that's what they said. All right, hey, here's the thing. You ever thinking? You ever reflect on on this thing of January sixth and and. Uh, and the insurrection. And you ever think how you're living a movie? Like, yeah. like you're in a movie? Yeah. Like a comedy movie. I think there was, wasn't there a movie with Richard Dreyfuss, Moon Over Parador, or something to that effect? That you sounds familiar. I never saw that one, but that sounds very familiar. I will look that up. Yeah, Go ahead. But, but, it's, but it's here's the thing, though. You know, if, if you handed somebody a script, you wouldn't make it to the movies. You know what I'm saying? It's so ridiculous with the main character being the the prune mango, you know, uh, Trump. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, well, so I agree with you. When it, as it was happening, I felt like it was interesting because I was listening to Hal Sparks. Hal was live during the. Were you working with him, Lady B? House with Hal when the insurrection was happening on January 6th. Because he was live and he was like, he and my husband both had the same attitude of like, yeah, of course they're being idiots. Of course they're doing stupid things. That's how, that's how like Hal's take. And, uh, and, you know, and he stopped when the, when the woman was, uh, Ashley Babbitt was trying to breach the security line and got shot. And he was like, well, this is hap- this is what happens when you do these things. But yes, I, I felt like I was in a movie because like everything, it just, none of it felt real. It was, yeah. I, I, exactly. And, and let me make another comment here. Uh, for the past two days, I've been listening to our dear friend uh, up the dial from you all the way up, the first station on the dial with uh, Dan Prof. Oh, dear. They not, not once that they mentioned this guy, the pirate, this guy. What's this guy's name? <laughs> His name is Stuart Rhodes. And uh, yes, Stuart you. Rhodes. Yes. So you know what I did? I took. I took matters into my you know own hands, and I called up this morning, and I told the producer. I know I did. I told the producer, you guys always say that you're fair and balanced. However, in your world, this never happened. I go, and here's the thing. And you say that Trump wasn't in on it. He didn't have anything to do with it. What do you got to hide? Why don't you just report what, it, what had just happened with this guy, you know? Uh, you know that he that he got uh, that he got uh, a guilty uh, decision. So you know, I know I know I know you're just a producer. I know you're just answering the phone. And he goes, "You want me to put the, put put? Now you want me to put you through?" 
And I said, no, because all he's going to do is flip it around and attack me personally, which is, he's done before. Him and me got into it before, you know. And it was all about uh, how Pritzker is fat. And I go, oh, so uh, yeah, that, AG, Trump, mm-hmm. I go, so Trump AG is on a diet or something? I go, <laughs> and, and and then what about the other guy? The guy that lost a lot of weight there. I think he's running. Isn't he running a... Uh, what the heck is this? I'll have to look it up, but guess what, Roosevelt? You've, you've, we've gone right up against the wall. i got to turn the station over, right. my friend. Uh, but I'll, I'll figure it out. By the way, you were right. He dropped his handgun and shot his own eye out, I believe, is the story for Stuart yeah, Roth. Yeah. Have a great night, Roosevelt. Thanks for uh, putting Thank the button you, in. My friend. Thank, Thank you. you. By the way, tomorrow we're going to check in with uh, some folks who are passionate about making sure pedestrians and, and cyclists are safe. And we're also going to talk to Todd Belcor about what's going on in Georgia and how we can help support his work. Bye, everybody. Have a great night. Mike Crutes up at The Devil's Advocate. Bye, Lady B.